They call me the wolf. I fix things. On my desk is a large desert scorpion encased in lucite. And on the wall behind my desk is a large framed black and white photo of a group of desert rats holding dangerous weapons, held up by a long black silk banner that reads, Swift, Deadly, and Silent. Here is my general outlook on life. The world is full of broken people, lonely people, and hungry people. It's part of the natural order of things, but splints, casts, so-called miracle drugs, or even time itself can't mend broken hearts, wounded minds, or spirits torn asunder, let alone a perpetually empty belly. As Charlie Chaplin once said, in the end, everything is just a gag. He apparently was an optimist by nature. Me? Not so. I'd always had a lot of trouble finding a silver lining in every cloud or a pot of gold at the end of every rainbow. In other words, I may have read fiction or watched it on the screen, but I didn't live it. I tried my best to remain in a virtual state of reality, no matter how hard times were to deal with. It all seems like a lifetime ago now. Then again, when you've spent half of your life chasing ghosts, you tend to lose track of time in the sense that most of us experience it. That, along with having been a career alcoholic and pill popper, tends to cloud a person's mind just a tad bit after so many lost years go by like a blur. And God forbid you keep on drinking excessively, because you could end up being a wino. The only difference between an alcoholic and a wino is that an alcoholic can afford to drink with a roof over his head. I used to be fascinated by winos because I had come so close to becoming one myself. And a wino starts off being a regular guy walking through a sick world trying not to get shit on his shoes. So he drinks a little. Then he drinks a lot. He loses his job first, then his family and then his house. Then, not too much later, he is a broken toilet of a man who is living in a cardboard box and drinking cheap wine out of a paper bag with money he begged from strangers on the street. Finally, all he wants is a little space, somewhere he can lay back in the shadows and drink and be left alone to die, but even that is denied to him. The wino sinks so low on the scum scale that he doesn't even need to know what time of day it is. And half the time he doesn't even know where he is, and he worries about that, but not very much. The winos are the missing link, not with man's past, but with man's future, a visible transitional link between the living and the dead, post-Holocaust men, men with bad teeth and breath that could knock a buzzard off a crap wagon, men with livers and kidneys in a worse state of preservation than the vital organs of the prehistoric mastodons scientists dig out of icebergs. Luckily for me, I didn't end up that way, but I came close. Another theory is that an alcohol dependency can be hereditary. A person can be born with an alcoholic gene in their blood. And after so many generations of alcoholics have tainted every last limb of the family tree, it's just inevitable that a person will follow in their father's footsteps. For me, though, it had been a choice I made on my own. My father was the kind of guy you'd picture as a model for an old Norman Rockwell painting, 
a guy sitting on a porch in an old rocking chair, smoking a corncob pipe and reading a copy of National Geographic or Arizona Highways. But you wouldn't see a faithful old hound dog lying next to the rocking chair because my father hated pets around the house. It had taken me three months to talk him into letting me have a goldfish, and even then he complained about the fish shit odor coming from the tank. But I guess when you slammed down about a case of Pat's Blue Ribbon a day and had the demeanor of an angry pit bull, you could always find something to complain about.